Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm something something podcast, something something Zack Snyder, something something. Hey, this movie's pretty good. I'm very tired. <laughs> I mean, I'm Alex. Something something complete. I'm Britton. Also pretty tired. Uh, I think Tyler is also pretty tired, so uh, buckle in, everybody. <laughs> Call me tired. Yeah. Now, I will say, because I believe we all <laughs> like this movie, we may not go as uh, loopy as we have done in previous episodes. If we were reviewing, like, I don't know, the second Twilight movie or something, just, like, mm-hmm. forget about it. I wouldn't even be in my chair right now. <laughs> be standing on your head just like guys we have to talk <laughs> listen listen i think i get them there was a a preview for i want to say the third twilight movie or fourth twilight whatever one of the later twi- after she was a vampire on the dvd of of this of today's movie uh and uh this is funny to me just funny that movie exists <laughs> And we watched it. <laughs> I watched one of them. Yep. Uh, what movie so, are we talking about today, you guys? We've, we're, we've beaten around the bush so much already. Um, this week we are talking about The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire, Part 2 of 4, kind of. Uh, but according to the books, just Part 2 of 3. It's fine. They split the last one up. The The novel is just called Catching Fire, right? Yes. Okay. At least they didn't call it the Hunger Games saga. A Hunger Games story. That would be dumb. Directed by Francis Lawrence from 2013, it has a 90% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% audience score. And I believe that's the highest of both we will see with the series. Interesting. Really? Interesting. So that having been said... Britain, what is your best thing and your worst thing about the Hunger Games breaking fire? <laughs> oh, it's a, rela- a reference to Breaking Away, that movie that I think is about bike racing. Um, but also, Catching Dawn is a pretty good title. Catching like Dawn like is a very good title that I assume is the sequel to Free Solo. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's okay. That's what I was looking for because I said that and I was like, I have to qualify that in some way. But you're right, documentary title. Yeah, so Catching Dawn that's... is a very good documentary title for like somebody trying to sail around the world. You're right. There's some loose-haired gentleman looking out at the horizon. I was gonna say like right after um, the guy like climbs all the way up the mountain, he like base jumps or something. <laughs> Just... <laughs> have you seen Free Solo, Alex? Yes. Okay, I was hoping because the main guy is named after you, so I would assume that. You guys, yes. you, you would have therefore related to the movie. His parents were inspired by this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he specifically was like, I'm changing my name. I like this guy. <laughs> Terry Honol just doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I like his crocodile sub, and I like that he likes the Hunger Games catching fire. Britain, what is your best thing and your worst <laughs> thing about the Hunger Games? Uh, did we decide on catching Dawn? <laughs> that, I like, I like <laughs> what the are we cut doing? Of his, cut of his jib jab. <laughs> no, my. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this movie. Uh, I'm going to say it, it's hard for me to really select 
a specific like central thing that I really liked or, or disliked about the movie. So I guess I'm going to go with for my best thing, new actors. Um, you know, this, this, we got a bunch of new friends in this one. I confess, I tend to get Sam Claflin, Finn Whitrock and Finn Jones all confused because two of them are named Finn and one of them played Finnick. And so I just put them all <laughs> now, of course, Finn Jones, I know did, uh, Iron uh, Jawed Angels and <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> and um, uh, Sim Cleflin, of course, is Finnick and Me Before You and, and whatnot. Finn Whitrock is also in movies. Um, oh, he was in Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, and The Big Short. And The Big Short. Yes, he was. But, uh, but I thought Cleflin did a nice job. I just liked that, that this movie brought in a bunch of new people and then, and I understand this is also a lot of, I think the stuff I'm going to say is really credit to to Suzanne Collins that we don't lose all of those characters. Um, at the end of this movie, uh, like specifically, I'm really happy that Jeffrey Wright is sticking around, um, as BD. Jeffrey Wright is one of my favorite actors. I genuinely think he is one of America's great actors. I love him. And so I was really happy when I saw that he was going to be in the movie and I, I enjoyed him in this, but I, I I was all revved up before I finished the movie to be like, okay, my worst thing about this is that we don't get enough time with certain characters. But all the characters I would have said that about survived. So that means I get at least one more movie with them. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I love seeing Jeffrey Wright. It was great to see Jenna Malone again because I hadn't seen her in a minute. Uh, like I mentioned Sam Claflin. Uh, Amanda Plummer, uh, daughter of Christopher Plummer, very gifted actress as Wyrus. It's always good to see her. And then maybe after Jeffrey Wright, the big one for me was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Of course, there's the bittersweetness of, of him being gone now. But, like, he is such a darn good actor. Like, he is so – he was so talented. And I, I loved that he was – I like that he didn't have, like, a kooky thing to his costume or character design. He was just, like, a guy, which I think worked. I mean, I, I think – and I love that this movie went – Let's just have two scenes in this movie where it's just Philip Seymour Hoffman and Donald Sutherland talking to each other, and we're not going to, like, give them a bunch of stupid things to say. Like, we're going to let them act at each other and, like, actually let them act at each other. Neither one of them, I think, are giving, like, their historic performances, but, like, they're both really good in the—like, I thought Sutherland was great in this— they're both really good in this. It was great to see them act off of each other. So I just really like seeing a bunch of new, a bunch of new faces, and I, I like that a lot of them are going to stick around. Um, there are a bunch of people who are introduced that don't last, but that's you know that's the nature of the games, man. But 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 also when when you realize like the the Hunger Games is not really the point of this movie, as is made very clear at the very end. I was like, okay, cool, that all worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my worst thing is it may not even be a problem with the movie so much, but there were a lot of elements that I wasn't fully clear on and that I kind of had to figure out in hindsight. Um, like, I, I guess I was confused about why the, the three fingers is the symbol of rebellion, which I don't know if that it, it may just be this is the symbol you know, why is two fingers a peace sign? I don't know. Um, I can explain why the actual peace symbol is the actual peace symbol. Thanks to 99% <laughs> invisible, but I don't know, but you know, it may just be, that's what it is. And, or, or if it is something woven into the narrative that will be explained later, or maybe it's in the books. Um, 
but like I try, I think there was oh it was about uh, talking about allies. There's a lot of talk in this movie about who's going to be our allies, who are our allies going to be, and I was I, I couldn't really figure out whether that was like an officialized thing in this competition. Like, Hey, it's encouraged to find allies or if that was just something, cause I know there were allies in the first movie, but that just seemed like, yeah, that happened as a survival mechanism. But in he, in this one, Hamish is talking about it. And, you know, it seemed to be discussed on a more like above board, uh, yeah, like above board level. Now, of course, by the end of the movie, I went, Oh, that's because the allies they're making are all part of this plan to get them and Katniss out. So that's that's what it all is all about. But I I I guess I just felt like there were pieces. Of, I'm I'm sure I'll think of others later that that I was wasn't hundred wasn't totally clear on, and I wondered if I had just missed something, or I feel like there was something else. It was like really I'll I'll, I'll say it if, if I if it comes to me, but um that may have just been you know stuff that I missed or stuff that I was overthinking. Um, and again, I think when the, the sort of twist at the end answers a lot of that and goes, oh, well, that wasn't really the point. <laughs> so, you know, otherwise I thought it was great. Who's next? Alex, do you want to go? Sure. Um, just to kind of elaborate on those two points that you did raise, Britain. Um, I believe the... Does, does the three fingers... That comes from Katniss, right? Because she does that in the first movie after Rue dies, and that kind of signals the um, revolt or the riot that starts happening in District 11, right? Yeah, and, and I I thought that she was like, hey, I'm going to do our symbol, guys. Like, I understand that like if everyone else kind of adopted it from seeing her do that, but then it felt like her doing that had meaning. Sure. Yeah, I can't, I honestly can't remember in the first book if it does establish kind of before that if I want to say that has something to do with the Mockingjay itself, like mm. as an animal, but I don't remember. Because I want to say they even have a bunch of people after she does like volunteers as tribute and everything. I want to say members of District Twelve hold up there. Yeah, I think they hold do up the sign. So like I, and again, it, it it may just be that's the sign. Don't worry about it. That, but, that could just uh, I, I, yeah. I wondered if I, there was something like oh, during the revolt, the attack on the Capitol a hundred years ago, what seventy five years ago or whatever. This I this think, relates to that somehow. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's there's more of an explanation in the book. I think for the movie's purposes, I think en- there's enough. You know, watching the first one, I think there's enough context clues just to be like that's just kind of at least if nothing else, it's just like a symbol of community and it's like you are from this district. And so that kind of spreads when she starts to use it and she uses it for Rue. Sure. Um, sure. Gotcha. And then the other thing about gathering allies, yes, ultimately the twist does really kind of confirm, Oh, that's why Hamish was, you know, so focused on that. But the other thing is he, um, it's not an official thing. In the games, as far as I'm aware, it's not like an yeah. official rule or, or guideline or anything. Uh, President Snow's got like his hundred year old rule book and he's just kind of whipping it out. And he's like, right, right. Teams, eh? <laughs> Microsoft Teams. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, there's there's not like an official rule or anything. But um, I think the reason he's so focused on it besides trying to set that up. The way he frames it when he's he's telling them about it initially is you guys are, are the number one targets. 
right, right. So you right. need to start making friends. It's not like the first go round where you guys were just one, you know, one set among the rest, and yeah, you yeah, weren't, yeah. there was nothing special about you at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the movie ultimately does a a even better job than the first one at kind of explaining a lot of stuff. But granted, that's me having read the books, like I said last time. Um, but yeah, okay, long winded, yeah. but. Um, no, so that definitely into... makes sense. Okay, good. Um, so getting into my best and worst things. Um, my best thing is going to be the story. Uh, and not just uh, the source material, because I, I do think Catching Fire is probably the best of the three books. Kind of hard to say. I, I think they're very consistent quality. Um, but even the, the screenplay and, and the way that, that Francis Lawrence te- tells the story, I think it improves quite a bit over the first one. Um I think immediately, and I'm not sure if this is just the way Francis Lawrence kind of shoots scenes and uses Jennifer Lawrence and, and utilizes the dialogue, but I feel like we're a lot more in her head than we were in the first one, um, particularly in terms of how she was feeling about her, her, where she is in the love triangle. Um, sure. I, I had much a much clearer read on that than I did in, uh, with the first movie. Um, and as I recall, it was a lot clearer in the first book. So that was kind of one of my kind of minor gripes with the first movie. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the story. I love how it, it expands on the stuff, Britain, that you said you felt was kind of lacking the last one, which was kind of the political stuff. And then a lot of this kind of inner uh, relationships that she has with like her family and, and kind of the people in district 12. Um, I really yeah. like that the first movie or that this movie takes its time before it gets to that, the second yeah. hunger games and kind of prepping. It's really the first hour and this is a two and a half hour movie and it doesn't feel that long. No. Um, but the first hour really is like we're setting up this conflict and kind of everything building up even before hitting. Oh, we have to actually prep for the games because the games are happening again. Right. Um, I just love I love how it's set up. And I was I was oddly enough, I was getting kind of Joker vibes um, in terms of there is an accident of some sort that happens. And it, it kind of signals this this whole set of dominoes to start falling over that nobody expected would happen. You know, Joker, it's, it's him shooting the, the three wall street guys outside of the, the uh, train. And then in this, obviously it's her and PETA uh, about to kill each other. And then they end up winning the games together. Um, so I like just kind of seeing wait, wait, society what, what, what just the, kind of, what was the accident in the hunger? You said that what was the it, accident? The, the, end, the end of the first one with, with oh, them taking okay, the berries. Okay. Um, or trying to take the berries. Because there is also a creepy talk show in this movie. That's, That's... very true. Uh, uh, but I really like kind of the examination of a complete, like, this inciting incident that really didn't have a greater motivation. Like, it was very kind of simple. And then it get it takes on this whole grandiose form and it starts to topple a society. Right. I think that's very interesting. And I, like, yeah, I was going to say Katniss's response to that and how at first she's a little bit more hesitant to go into it. And then watching her kind of take her place in the movement and, and as being kind of the spark for all of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. And I really like just the inner conflict of them kind of getting paraded around the different districts. And she's like, I had to pretend to be in love with PETA through all of this. And oh, the rest of my life too. Oh, this is, oh, this is great. And they're going to parade us out every year. Um, this is a nightmare. This is a living nightmare. Um, oh, and I loved like 
when they give genuine speeches, they're really good speeches and the people love them, but yeah. they break bad really fast. But then yep. when mm-hmm. they, and then they give this crappy, awful, you know, uh, uh, pre-written things that keep everything safe, but the, 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 uh, constituents hate them. Um, yeah. I thought all of that was just really, really well. Obviously, it, you know, this horrible thing happens at the beginning where this old man is killed as a result of it, but, um, everything I, I thought that whole thing was done really really well like the movie does a really good job of depicting real world things the real world parallel of like it's not you you, you are a revolutionary e- even if you're just doing a symbol on tv like her having with the dress yeah. you know it's very much like um is it jesse owens who refused to shake hitler's hand at the olympics was it that was jesse owens um that sounds it, right yeah it's 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 the power of quiet protest as opposed to like, I'm going to punch somebody. I'm going to punch president snow on TV. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's just showing solidarity and showing like, Hey, we don't like the thing you're doing and how much that sets off yeah. a, a truly tyrannical regime. I thought it was, it was really, really well done and, and, and added tension without needing action to do it. Yeah. I think that this is a very good case of just like a, a movie constantly building tension. Um, like seemingly with like every scene for, for two and a half hours, they're building up the tension. Um, even like, you know, the, the second time they, they do, uh, get on the, uh, the talk show with Caesar, yeah. um, right before the second games. And they are actually, you know, they have the, tw- the, uh, PETA pulls out the, Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh, and everyone's so like, cancel the games. <laughs> I loved all that. Yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah, it's just like a really, really tight story, and it's very, very effective. And it kind of, yeah, you know, I was saying Joker vibes, but I think overall I'm getting like very Empire Strikes Back type vibes in terms of taking what is, you know, originally a, very, a fairly simple but well-told story and kind of taking it to new heights and, and exploring the complexities of the characters and the world that they inhabit. Um, I think, you know, this is kind of a perfect sequel in that way. Um so yeah, I I adore the movie. <laughs> um, in terms of of worst thing, I think you know it's it's hard to say because I think th- this is a huge improvement in basically every regard over the first one. Not to say that the first one was bad. I give it a B plus. So <laughs> clearly it did something right. But um, I think this movie continues one problem that I had in terms of I don't feel like Peta or Gale are fleshed out enough um what's the bechdel test but it's like reverse the genders <laughs> i would i would definitely say that about gail i i i feel like Peta's better off like does better than gail just simply for amount of screen time sure and i i think it's more just with Peta. It, it's that we don't explore his family very much and, sure. you know, based on my understanding from the first movie, it's like a very strained relationship with his, his family. But the yeah. fact that we don't really get a scene with them or anything like that, I feel like that could have been that could have been something a little little meatier for his character other than he's just pining for for Katniss the whole movie. Um, and then Gail's just kind of he's there. He's fine. Um, you know, he's heroic. And, and you know, of course, we got to got to see Liam Hemsworth shirtless because, of course, even though he's getting He's getting flogged in the streets. Um, <laughs> I, I I am exaggerating a bit in terms of the Bechdel test thing. Yeah, obviously, that's that's a 
criticism in and of itself for a whole host of movies. Um, this certainly handles its male characters better than most Bond movies handle its fe- their female <laughs> characters. So. Um, but yeah, it, I, you know, it is a positive in terms of you know, Katniss is still very much center stage and they don't lose yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. She doesn't get drowned out in the noise of all of these other characters being introduced. But yeah. I feel like the two primary male characters aren't that interesting, which, yeah, positives and negatives. But uh, yeah, that, that was something that I feel like wasn't really improved all that much from the first movie. So. Yeah, I would kind of agree. And I think that also that makes it a little bit harder to follow again, like the love triangle stuff. Like yeah, Katniss is supposed to be potentially torn in this movie. It really, I think comes across that she is very much like enamored with PETA. Maybe not enamored is the right word, but like, even if she doesn't realize it, she seems to really have like fallen for him. She's at least um, protective of him. If nothing yeah, else. And, and I think the books make it a little bit more conflicted. Um, sure at this point but uh yeah it is and it it made sense in the first one because we're trying to stay out of Peter's head a lot so that we can there can be a little bit more trauma about him working with the ones and twos and kind of starting to unravel him a little bit and understand what he's about uh but it does feel like this one uh should really you know kind of hone in on him and and uh who he is and get some more like character stuff outside of his relationship with Katniss or um, I mean, we get bits and pieces like the part where he brings up the, she's like, he's like, Oh, she's pregnant. Like we get bits and pieces like that of him being proactive and doing uh, neat things. But I agree. It could, it could be fleshed out. Um, I think my best thing overall is the idea of them bringing back everyone for the 75th hunger game, like bring back all the old contestants. I think that's a, that's a super neat way of doing some world building in a way that also feels like it makes sense for the characters. You know, it's um, I, I feel like it's kind of like the um, Triwizard Tournament, mm. Harry Potter. Um, you could probably make the argument either way if that's like too heavy handed to be like, hey, we're bringing in these other schools. But it's like, oh, here's a tradition. Uh, we're bringing in some other schools and, and showing you a little bit about what other wizards and other parts of the, the world do. This gives me a similar vibe um, because it makes sense that Snow, as we kind of find out, can he's really kind of manipulated into allowing this to be the celebration because uh, Plutarch actually wants them to be there so that he can get them out. Um, but it makes sense that he would be manipulated into that because he wants them dead. So he's like, okay, great. It's a great idea. I'll bring back Katniss. I'll bring back Peta and we'll make them fight each other or, you know, some way or another Katniss will die. It'll be great. Um, and in doing so, you get to see all these other contestants who have been scarred by this thing and you get to understand their psyche. I think maybe my favorite scene in the movie is all the contestants doing their interviews with Stanley Tucci's character, um, where they're all kind of getting frustrated and you can tell like, they're breaking down a little bit. Some of them are kind of taking it in stride, but some of them are pretty upset by the fact that they did their time and have to come back. And like Jenna Malone's character flat out just loses it and yeah. is like, it's <laughs> uh, great. Cussing them out on stage, which is great. Um, and the audience reactions are great where you can tell they're taking this, not in the way that the capital or the, 
snow basically not in the way that snow wants them to take it like it's it's not being effective propaganda because the audiences are basically like snow's been sort of guided into a misstep by plutarch because this was too far of a step um i think that's all really interesting and that scene really encapsulates the the way that this franchise uh i feel like tackles the kind of political societal element very well um and i think that all just wraps together into something that's very neat and fun to to watch come together and then of course at the end of that scene they all hold hands and uh throw their hands up like at like uh katniss and Peeta do in the first one yeah um and the audience loses their minds uh i think it's very well done and like stan watching stanley tucci's character fall apart uh and be like oh crap i I, I can't put put on the persona anymore uh this is bad i had um i kind of hate that this was the flashback i had but because i just don't like when people talk about about this element Uh, but on on the oscars when they read the wrong name and blah 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 um moonlight is great that's what we should focus on but the fact that like Jimmy Kimmel was just like, how do I do this? What's happening? Like, how do, as the host, how do I wrangle this? Like, I thought uh, yeah, yeah. Tucci embodied that <laughs> in, a, in a much more serious, very different context. I sure. found that uh, really, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Mm-hmm. Also, just the, you talking about how they're, they're, they've been scarred emotionally. I mean, Chaff, you know, Katniss, he doesn't have a hand. When she reaches down to grab his hand, she like grabs his arm because he clearly lost a hand in the games. Mm-hmm. Chaff, played by E. Roger Mitchell who was on The Walking Dead for a little bit in season three. Oh, really? Yeah. He huh. didn't do much, but he was in Woodbury. Sure. <laughs> I think he complained to the governor a couple of times, but I remember Sounds him. Sounds good. Um, um, anyway, go on. I think my worst thing, uh, and I get the feeling I may not have liked this movie as much as the two of you. I still like it quite a yeah. bit. Um, but for me, uh, I think I I'm not in love with the movie's structure. Um, and really it is because of the fact that the first half feels so tied into the first movie. Um, and they're set up for what's going to happen. There's, there's other stuff going on there, but there's such a big chunk that's about the hunger games, um, or the 75th hunger games that we are just kind of spending time with these characters and like watching them try to survive. Uh, and then we, we basically spend a while just not focusing on that uh storyline in terms of the revolution and everything i mean we get some of plutarch we get some of what's going on behind the scenes but for the most part and we don't even really we don't jump to the families back in the districts much if at all i think during these hunger games as opposed to in the first movie um and we're kind of intentionally being kept in the dark as an audience but i don't know if it does it effectively enough that at least for me i feel like there's kind of two different um feeling movies spliced in here and it still works as a whole and it's still in as it's as its piece in the wider series i think it works totally fine um but just for this particular one it feels kind of awkward in the way it it ends up landing um because i i find myself like a being really interested in all the stuff before the hunger games and i want to get more of that and i want to i want that to continue and not be left on a cliffhanger (laughs) um but b i also think the hunger games are really cool like this particular setup with the Hunger Games with the clock and everything. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the stadium has all these crazy kind of machinations to it. Um, I almost wanted to spend a little more time with that and to see them, you know, wipe out most of the, like, I think they, they almost could have taken it to where they wiped out everybody who's not part of their ally group. And then 
right when they're about to try and fight, you know, something goes down because they're like, hey, Katniss, actually. Yeah. <laughs> surprise. We're all on your <laughs> side and we're trying to get you out. You know, I think they could do something with that. Um, and so to me, it's uh, like I just said, I like both of those halves. Um, it It's never felt very cohesive to me. And I think especially on a rewatch for me, um, knowing that like these Hunger Games kind of get cut short and we don't we don't really get to the end of what's going on there. Um, but we also don't really get a resolution to the earlier stuff in the movie. It's kind of like two different neat setups, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to be that upset because it is, it, it's part of a series. It's supposed to be part of a series. And I don't think any audience members would have been thrown off by that. And I mean, in the same way that I'm not upset by the Lord of the Rings movies, all being very sure relying on each other. But, um, I just feel like this one, like, I, I think maybe it's almost that there's not a big finale of some sort there there's not a big catharsis in this one um because it ends and it's kind of like oh there's this crazy cliffhanger they get taken away uh now they're all part of the revolution but some of them aren't part of the revolution because some of them got captured oh no we got to go save them um and like it, it's just it's such a cliffhanger and it it raises so many questions as a cliffhanger that for me i don't um i just don't get a lot out of like the punch of it, I guess. Uh, and that's especially having, knowing what's hap- going to happen going into it. Um, I didn't, I, I felt, got to the end, and I was like, all right, all right, we're, we're done here. Now we got to go on to the next movie. Um, and I feel like the next movie also has kind of a similar problem. So uh, mild spoilers for that. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that then. The next movie is also supposed to be part one of two. So at least that's sure. a little bit more direct. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess it just comes down to the fact that like the first movie, that is its own thing for sure, contained, you know, cohesive. The third and fourth movies are two parts of the same story, so they're very connected and they and they are supposed to flow right into each other. While this one is kind of like, it it really does, from what I remember, flow pretty much right into the third movie. Um, but it it's kind of stranded on its own because it's between those two, um sections that have more kind of emotion and catharsis going on yeah i i see what you mean and i I can definitely see where you know with the first one they made it and they were like we know the whole story we know Mm -hmm. but we don't know how much of it we'll get to tell so we're just gonna make the movie but what that first movie what that first story is that can be a standalone movie if they had never made the rest of it and you didn't know that they hadn't made the rest of it you'd be like yeah it seemed a little kind of okay i feel like there's a lot we didn't explore but yeah you basically she survived the hunger games the end but then and and then when you get to the finale and this is the thing with a lot of when you have a a trilogy that is intended it that middle section can very much feel like it's it's trying to be two things at once because it is it's having to answer the first and set up the the third or in this case the third and fourth and I, I mentioned the Lord of the Rings, and as I was saying that, I was thinking, but also, when we talked about Lord uh, Two Towers, we kind of had some similar problems. Um, sure. And Two Towers, I mean, it still has the Helm's Deep stuff, and I think that's kind of part of it for me, is that that stuff hits so hard, and yeah. so much of the movie is spent on that, and the movie is 
very long. I don't know that this movie needed to be as long. <laughs> I I don't know what the time difference is. I need to check that actually. I think they're about how the long, same length. How long is the theatrical two towers? Two oh, towers oh, I'm is sorry. right about three hours. Oh, okay. I, I I thought you meant this in Hunger Games. No, sorry. Um, so it was th- it was three hours theatrical. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that movie is so long that it has time to do multiple things and explore them very thoroughly, and it still kind of runs into the same problem of being wedged between two right more natural uh, story points. So yeah, gotcha. Yeah, um, that that was an interesting thing for me watching this the the way the Hunger Games played into the movie because I in 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 the first movie as much as it does set up it it, it gives us the foundation for the rest of the story in and of itself it is about Will Katniss survive the Hunger Games and mm-hmm. I think that even if I hadn't known anything about it when I watched it just from like movie logic I would have gone so most likely everybody in this dies except Katniss and but I don't know about Peta does Peta die but really probably everyone else dies right <laughs> um yeah and with but it still created a sense of tension because of every how brutal it is and how are these characters going to die what about Peta does Katniss make it out of it you know all these things that we we talked about last week but this one I had no idea who was going to live or die because I didn't know. I know there's a revolution storyline, but I don't know the specifics of it. I had no idea about Plutarch and got to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But so I didn't know who was necessary. So I was watching this being like, Jeffrey Wright could have just shown up to be like, yeah, I'll be in your, what is it called? Catching fire? Sure, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I, I got time. Westworld doesn't exist yet, so I got time. Whatever, man. <laughs> and he could have just hopped on to shoot a couple scenes and dip. But like, I, I think I knew that, well, I knew that Hoffman stayed on because we had talked about uh, how they use him in the, or that they use him in the fourth one. But so many of the tributes, I was like, you could all die in this. None of you could die. I have no idea where the story needs to go. And so I, I still had a sense of tension where I was like, I mean, first of all, I pretty much knew Max was going to die because I've seen movies before. <laughs> and like, specifically, I've seen the first one before and she was clearly the Rue surrogate, the Sir Ruga. Sure. <laughs> but um, I was like, I don't know about Finnick. I don't know about Beatty. I don't. I don't know these characters and whether or not they stick around. So it was. It was. There was relief, but that sort of gave the movie a new type of tension for me, where I was like, in the first one, I figure you're all going to die, but it's horrible, and in this one, I'm like, you all might die or not. I don't know. I also like that they still ma- and I think a lot of this is just carryover from the first one. That this movie is still upsetting, but in a very different way. This movie's upsetting politically. Mm-hmm. It's upsetting in terms of like that awful commander who shows up and starts beating people and uh, whips uh, uh, Gale, and and it's upsetting in that now it's middle aged and older people who have already done this, and now they've got to do it again. They're, they're dragged yep. out again to be gladiators. Like that is. Like seeing these people specifically, and Jeffrey Wright's clearly in great shape, and is not an old man, but like he's not—he's not a young dude. It's not like you're watching a bunch of what, and and that the movie does such a good job of being like, this is bad. <laughs> like you are going to feel terrible that this is happening, whether it's happening to children or adults, because they are people who are being utilized for war. And uh, I thought it was just really effective. I I, I was reading in the trivia section about. 
stuff that was left out of the book and a lot of it, like a lot of character backstory stuff, which I fully understand why it's not in the movie. It would have just been a lot of talking. Yeah. But that Haymitch won the quarter quell, the tw- the one from 25 years pre- previous to this one, that he, he, he won that. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And then I was like, oh, that's right. I'm watching the movie. I went, oh, right. He's won before. Like, I never forgot yeah. that. But I like that this movie just addresses it in a straight up like, Hamish has done this before. Hamish might have to go back in and, and do it again. He might, like that that scene where he and Peter are up there and they're drawing out the name. I was getting tense because I was like, I don't know if you or Peter goes in. I don't know what happens. Yeah. And I think it just did a really good job of, of reminding me that, oh, right, Hamish is a part of this machine and he was a victim of this thing. And that's why he's an alcoholic and, and everything. I just thought, I thought the movie did a good job of of not trying to repeat the dread of the first movie, but finding a new way to instill dread while still moving the, the movie forward and moving the, the story forward. I thought was really effective. You didn't repeat the, 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 the same stressors. You uh, created whole new ones. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, and talking of Gail and Peta, I, I will say I really, one, one bit of character thing that I really liked in this movie is I, I fully understand where, where both guys are at. And Gail is just straight up like, oh, it didn't look like you were pretending. Oh, what about that? Which I was like, Gail, I totally understand where you are, but I need you to be a little more understanding. <laughs> I need you to be a little more reasonable, but I totally get, or at least I need you to go, I know I'm being unreasonable, but here's why I'm being unreasonable. But then I really love that that was answered with this great scene between Peta and Katniss, where Peta like, was, was like such an A-plus dude in that scene, where he was like, Katniss, I know that's, I know you were pretending. I know, and I'm not mad at you because that's the reason we survived. Like, I'm grateful to you for doing it. I know it was all for show, but I would like us to be friends. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like, he's he's respecting where she's at. He's not, like, backing down, quote unquote. He's just saying, I'm not trying to get you to fall in love with me. I'm not saying you owe me anything. You already saved my life. I'm just saying I would like us to be friends. We clearly you know, went through this terrible thing together. I'm not arguing your case. I'm just saying, let's be pals. And I was like, that's that's such a mature thing for that character to do and for a movie like this to do. Um, and I think uh, frequently, not even just in YA, but frequently we see characters and movies making really immature choices like this just to drum up drama and to have emotional tension. But I think it may, got me that much more invested that I was like, oh, PETA actually can is a reasonable person who cares more about Katniss than he cares about being with Katniss. And which immediately puts me on team PETA. Not that the movie's even about that. Cause that's not the point of the story. But I was like that. I thought that that, that was, even though it was still about Katniss, it was a good character moment for him. Um, that I just thought was, was really nicely, nicely handled. And ably played by Zathura's Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> He's in that, right? Yes. Okay. Spoilers for our next franchise. <laughs> I mean, we've already already started you, chipping away at John Favreau's filmography. I was gonna say you thought I was gonna say Jumanji. No, it's all of John Favreau's movies. If we can do the um, Matrix movies and Jupiter Ascending, we can do the three Jumanji movies and Zathura. <laughs> um, where do we wanna where do we wanna go? Uh, I just wanted to say that the special effects are immediately like 500 steps above where they were in the first one 
and it's very clear. Tyler, I can't remember if you said that all of the sequels are double the budget of the first one, but it sure feels uh, that way. Not quite, but close. I think we said, didn't we say that the first one was like 80 million? Something like um, that. And I think all of these are like somewhere in the 130 million range. Um, right. But it I was, it's a big so good. Step up. <laughs> it looks a lot better, but I love that this movie didn't become a special effects bonanza. Right. That mm-hmm. this th- this movie didn't become just the CGI show. It was yeah. like, oh, cool. We're you know, there's bigger stuff happening, and so we can do more with the effects. But that just means the effects look better. It doesn't mean that the movie becomes about the effects. Right. And I also like that they don't completely change the style because obviously we've right. got a different director, but it. And action scene wise, it does feel different. It's not quite frantic, shaky cam. Yeah, yeah. Editing, um, which I think is, it, is is an effective like Katniss wouldn't be perceiving these scenes the same way, so they're presented sure. not in the same way. Yeah, in, in more of the action scenes in this, she feels at least like she's in. She has a little bit more control over what's happening. Yeah. Um, especially because she's able to grab the bow and arrow so quickly. Um, but yeah, I I really appreciate just how this movie looks like it's, it's just like a really, really good looking movie. Um, and I think they, they use the budget very, very well. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I really kind of use as a point of comparison was just like when they're on the train and just the background of them on the train, I'm like that, even that looks better. (laughs) Like that's a very basic thing, but even that looks better. I mean, (laughs) The, the arena looks gorgeous. Yeah, true. Um, and there's some really great big shots of that, like, give you the full layout. Um, I think every time they show the tree getting shot, that always looks yeah. great and, and gives you a great sense of geography for the the arena and what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Those monkeys um, look really good. The mandrills. Yeah. They look the, so uh, much better than the dogs from the, the end of the, the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the wall of water that comes down at them and then, like, hits the... It's this really cool effect where it, yeah. it comes roaring through the trees from the opposite side of the the beach, and we just watch it because, like, we watch the trees rumble. The water comes through; it smashes up into this big wedge, like the, like the uh, fog that they just escaped from did. Um, but then the wedge like disappears as the once the water kind of like resides a little, um, and so you see it all form up in this big triangle thing, and then kind of disperse and splash across the beach at them. Like that's, there's, there's a lot of really cool practical and special effects going on there. Um, and I think the movie does a good job of taking advantage of that to make it feel pretty grounded, even though there's lots of crazy, uh, future sci-fi tech going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I really, really love the aspect ratio change when they go into the arena. And I'm not sure if that's on all the, the different versions um, but we wa- Tyler and I watched it uh, on a Blu-ray copy, and as she's get- rising, and of course she sees uh, Senna getting like beaten and dragged away, which is horrifying. Um, but as we see her rise up, and she like, you know, she starts to see the arena, like it goes to full screen. And I don't, I don't know if it's like they shot all of the arena stuff with like IMAX cameras, but I think that's a very effective use of of changing your aspect ratio instead of just kind of changing it <laughs> willy-nilly like Michael Bay or even, you know, to a, a lesser degree because he actually is very effective with how he uses it, like Christopher Nolan. Um, Britain, uh, did you watch Do I know what copy? aspect ratio is? Not really. Um. <laughs> Let me explain. It's, it's, well, 
So no, I, along I, with I, an, I get it. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, explain that along with what an EMP is. <laughs> so so a ratio, that's like when you've got some numbers and then there's like a colon and then some other numbers. Yeah. Um, but like usually like one's bigger than the other. Um, so that's huh. what that is. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so one aspect, aspect is bigger than an other aspect. <laughs> an aspect is like your spirit animal. Oh, your, uh, like the two the, bears in me. Yeah, your representation. Yeah, hey, hey, uh, hey, quiet down, you two bears. I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> uh, Alex, did I, you, did I mention? You... I should, never mind. I should. I should uh, maybe, maybe I'll bring this up in recommendations. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get this too off track. Britton, I was just curious because did you watch a DVD copy? Mm-hmm. Um, did did it change? Yeah, aspect I, I ratio? poured hot water in the back of my TV and turned a crank. <laughs> to oh, get okay. The, get the DVD going. <laughs> Yeah, but yes, I did. I watched DVD because I was I was thinking about this. I I don't know if if it did that for me or not. Um, and I think part of that is because jokes aside, I wasn't paying attention because I was so busy thinking about Senna. Yeah, <laughs> um, who mm-hmm. we didn't talk about uh, Lenny Kravitz in the first one. Good performance. Um, he lovely. undersells it, which is really effective given that he's surrounded by all the people in the Capitol. <laughs> oh, and how easily could you make that character? camp city you know yes. what i mean yeah. and i love one it keeps it from becoming an offensive stereotype and two yeah. i think it's a, he's a much more effective character that way that that he he is he's, he's underplayed um but yeah I, I and i thought that was so effective where you see him beaten and dragged off and then katniss it's just this rotating shot around her as she comes up into the arena it was such a great way to introduce us to the games and her to the games in a differently tense and upsetting way to the first one where it's just she's in this terrifying thing but in this one it's we already know that this thing is terrifying we don't need we're not going to try to like equal that we can't repeat that feeling but we have this new way of make of of making you tense and and sad so that that's where my focus was so i'm not sure if they did the the ratio change or not yeah Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because I know sometimes you know different releases they sometimes sure. they they kind of nix nix little details like that. Some some releases don't. So I was just curious. But, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I am. Um, I I really liked. And again, I I'm really excited to read these books now. I think after I've, we've seen all the movies, I'm I'm gonna pick up the books at some point. Well, I I thought the whole clock layout for the arena is such a great idea. But I really loved how the movie specifically, because I'm assuming it's done similarly in the books. It's such a great way of setting up a like setting up questions and then answering them effectively without like dragging it out too much or being too vague. Like they're just running, and then suddenly the fog is just kind of folding up on itself. But it's fog; it can't do that. It's already weird that you cannot run it, but whatever. It's a movie. Sure. Um, <laughs> And then the same with the water, it just kind of invisibly, okay, so there are force fields, but how that doesn't make sense. And then when we realize it's a clock divided into sectors where each uh, uh, threat is contained to that sector, I thought that was so such a great idea. It's a simple, it's one of those like great sci-fi ideas where you go, that's so simple, why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? Like what a great idea and it's not overcomplicated. Um, but it, it really, uh, all of the ways that they hint at, I, I know there is this larger plan because they, they, they do lay that on slightly heavily with the characters being like, mm, looking at each other a lot about Katniss and I don't know uh, about that. And 
the whole question of whether or not she can trust Fennec and all this. Yeah. But but down to where the Morphling jumps out, which I never really got why they're... I guess they're called Morphlings because they're really good at disguises. She she jumps out and sacrifices herself for Peta. And Peta's like, why did she do that? I, I, I don't understand. But they almost play that in a way that... Was she trying to escape? Was she trying to... Like, what was she trying to do? And then you later realize, oh, she was probably in on it. And she was like, I have to sacrifice myself to save the plan. Yeah. Um, because as much as there is a plan, we're all still likely to die. So we still have to improvise. And I would really love whenever I rewatch it, I'm going to pay more attention to, to Hoffman to see how he plays the character. Because I had no clue Plutarch was a was a double agent. I That totally... It, you know, it, it, I wasn't like bashing myself on the head with a mallet and like cuckoo clock, cuckoo birds come out of my ears. But I was like, I really was surprised by that. And I thought that was so cool. Um, you know, the DVD has the little like they play a little footage of the movie over the, the main menu um, before you go to your special features like audio and scene selections. Um, interactive menus. And interactive that's, menus. that's my favorite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they had the they played the little thing of of. Katniss uh, doing the Seneca Crane effigy, hanging him in effigy, which yeah. is, a, a, which is, again, a really nice way to not exactly repeat the previous movie. And he kind of smiles at her. And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's going, huh, all right, I see you out there. I'm coming for you, though. But now when, when I saw that scene after knowing he was a double agent, it was him going, oh, this is good. You're good. We're going to be OK, yep. guys. <laughs> like it's a, it means something totally different. He's oh, I just love Philip Seymour Hoffman. But uh, yeah, all I, I of that, wonder, I thought, did such a great job. With Hoffman, I wonder how much of it was casting him going, at least in, in a lot of kind of the bigger movies that he's been in, he's been either a villain or an antagonistic force. Because mm. the two bigger movies that I think of him in would be Mission Impossible 3, where he's just the bad guy, okay. um, and Doubt, where, sure. you sure, know. Sure. Yeah, where we don't know what he is, yeah. He's antagonistic, if nothing else. Right. Um. So kind of looking at him, it feels like they're going for, all right, the audience is going to expect him to be the bad guy. But the right. dead giveaway is he's dressed like a normal person. He's not <laughs> wearing anything fanciful or just like super over the top. Like even Snow's got his fancy gloves. Like he, yeah. he can't even get away from it. <laughs> well, and he like his mustache is a little quaffed, you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Donald Sutherland looking great, by the way. He looks so cool. <laughs> he looks so sharp in these movies. But even um, like, yeah, and I just thought that was like a, to kind of show that Plutarch is is just thinking beyond everybody else, and that's how smart he is. Because like even Beatty has his little like slightly creative goatee, and sure, Wyrus sure. has a little page boy cut. But um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like the fact that he's not dressed like a crazy capital guy. Yeah, and I guess maybe the idea is like, oh, he's just like all business. He just gets the job done. He doesn't. He doesn't worry about the frills or or, or any of, of the extravagance of what's going on. He just kind of gets down to business. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a nice, somehow it's, it's a subtle clue, even though it's literally his appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, the entire like performance he gives up to revealing that he's actually on the side of the rebellion, um, is so subtle and perfect. Like mm -hmm. you, you talked about how he has yeah. so many conversations with snow where we just get to see them talking. Yeah. Um, and every one of them, he's convincing Snow to do something that's going to help yeah. Yeah. The, the Rebellion, ultimately. Because, like, he's either trying to... Um, I don't know if they specifically discuss 
the logistics of the quarter quell. I feel like they do. Maybe a little. Because I know they talk about multiple times, like, oh yeah, yeah, Tat- Katniss, she's totally gonna die. Pro- promise. I got, right. I got her, man. Yeah. She's gonna go down hard. <laughs> but for, but first, we're gonna make ever, you know, we're just gonna like, um, make everyone see how awful she is, and like we're gonna, yeah, uh, prove that you know, she, she's, she's no better than the rest of us. Right. Um. And he keeps kind of playing that up for Snow and saying like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we'll break her down and we'll break the, everyone's faith in her because we'll show that she's just a, another monster. And then, of course, at the end, she doesn't shoot Finnick. Um, she decides to go ahead and trust Finnick and then Snow is watching and he's like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Something's kind of horribly wrong. One of those meanwhile, are... meanwhile uh, Plutarch has literally just bailed. <laughs> like, <he's> like, <laughs> yep, I'll be right back. I'm, go- I'm getting some popcorn. We're going to watch the show. It's going to be great. She's going to die. I'll, I'll be right back with your snow cone. And they just ah, leaves. Ah, good. But yeah, I, I, those scenes are so nicely written and beautifully played because all those scenes with him and Snow, it's they're still shot and filmed like two bad guys scheming. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Shot and filmed mean the same thing here. But but also it it doesn't. It, on first watch, for me, Plutarch didn't strike me as someone who has is like is he trying to protect Katniss? He struck me as someone who goes. No, you're trying to kill a person. I'm trying to kill an idea. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I just watched the first season of Homeland, which is great. And in it, one of the a character says, "Why kill a man when you can kill an idea?" And so maybe that was just on my brain. Um, <laughs> but it struck me as that, like, oh, he he's not he's going after the the real source of this, which is, which which is not necessarily Katniss Everdeen, but it's everything she represents. So if we can break that down, that's how we really get him. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. And I he's just a really smart villain who has a different perspective on this, and that's why Snow trusts him. And but yeah, like they said, then you realize, oh no, he's it's just it it it's it's smart because every twist makes sense, but it wasn't obvious to me. Sure. And I really like when movies can can do that i I feel like that there's a really good example of this recently that i can't think i don't know maybe like hereditary or something but like when 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 you go oh of course like that makes i i completely oh (laughs) actually it was a a dark crystal age of resistance the miniseries Mm. on netflix i was like i did not see that coming at all but i completely buy it and that's good writing I thought you were going to say it was Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> I totally didn't think they were going to bring Chris Pine back. And then he just showed no up and I was idea. like, whoa. And I thought, no way would you bring him back to do the same thing over again. <laughs> that would be sense. stupid. They did. Who knew? Um, just works. <laughs> how, I wanna, how do you guys, how do we feel about Katniss as a protagonist? Um because I, I think she's great. <laughs> I, yeah. Not not just the performance. Obviously, the performance is wonderful. Love the little moment at the beginning where she shoots the or tries to shoot the turkey. Um, and then they do that great quick edit of her shooting Marvel from the first movie. And um, and she just completely dissolves into a PTSD attack. I thought that was so good. She's great in these movies. Um, oh, yeah. what, what, mean, what do you guys think the, of the, uh... I was just going to say that the trap with all the birds that are oh, God. mimicking voices of people that they mm-hmm. know. And it's, is it her and Finnick that get her caught and Finnick, in that? Yeah. Yeah. And like, they're stuck in there for the whole hour. And it just like, there's a hard cut to her just kind of like shaking on the yeah. ground in like the fetal position. And they're having to like stir and be like, relax. It's everything's fine. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I think she's a great character. I, I really, really like yeah. her quite a bit. Um, I, I do think uh, Jennifer Lawrence's performance is better in the first one and sure. not because she's at all bad in this, but just because, like, I think the first one gave her more opportunity. It was more about just Katniss and right. she had less people to bounce off of. Um, so she like she had to pull on a lot more of kind of the subtlety. And, and we talked about that with her expressions and, and how much she acted with her face and body language. Um, but yeah, I still, I think this movie, I mean, it still keeps it really consistent. Uh, I mean, I feel like you can tell that this is a role that Jennifer Lawrence really enjoyed being. Yeah. Uh, oh, she's really, so committed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very lived in. Um, I, I, something that occurred to me this time around is, and I, I really don't want to keep like praising these movies just for not being like their imitators, but <laughs> I really like that Katniss is not a chosen one. You know, it's not the prophecy character. It's not, she has, I feel she has full agency in this and she's an unwilling hero, which I think is more interesting. Yeah. She's like, I literally just want to survive. I, I don't, and I'm interested to see how that flows into two and three, but I'm not watching this movie feeling like, Oh, she's doing this because it was predicted in the old times on the tablets that or the scrolls that a hero would rise and defeat the 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 white eagle or whatever. <laughs> that uh, nor nor do I feel like she's going. No, we're heroes, and I'm gonna to save the world. That she is just a person trying to stay alive and keep other people alive within this terrible thing, and that she is not. She's not doing a. I don't care about the capital. I don't care about your, 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 your crazy rebellion. I'm just in it for me. She's, she's just, she's swept up in this thing. She's a kid. And and I think they do a nice job communicating that, but I just like that. That's the character that she's not, she doesn't wake up in the morning being like, I'm going to go be a hero. And nor does, you know, the, the, the weird old man who lives on the outskirts of the town, tell her she's a hero. She she ends up in a role and then responds to the scenario in very heroic ways and accepts a responsibility because she realizes this is bigger than me. And it's not about I have to fulfill my destiny. It's about I have to help this greater thing, um, which I think is in some ways more heroic and yeah. and certainly I think more interesting to watch because I don't I don't spend the movie wondering if Katniss is going to help. I, I just kind of wanted to I, I wanted to have a break like I want, when this I want this to all end for many reasons but partially so that Katniss can just like rest yeah yeah and her mom and love- is so uninterested in everything there's this great shot where after Katniss you know is going off to the, to the I can't remember if it's after they announce it that's how they're doing they're doing it with the original tributes or if it's after she's actually leaving but you know Prim is so upset and her mom just kind of like Strokes Katniss's hair like, all right, we'll drive safe. <laughs> okay, just remember on, on your way home, we were out of milk. You know, just call, call me when you get there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. If you get hungry, pull over and eat something. If you get tired, rest. You know, just it's like, come on, Mama Katniss. Don't worry, yeah, I left um, I left twenty dollars on 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 the fridge for for a pizza. Mom, <laughs> you're the one. I, I'm going. <laughs> all right, you left that twenty dollars. Um. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I, you got 20 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy also watching her not even struggle necessarily, but just 
she she starts off the movie in kind of this arc by giving a very passionate speech about Rue because she thinks it's the right thing to do and she wants to connect with these people. She's like, you, you know, we can't make it up to you that Rue basically, you know, not sacrificed directly, but like Rue Rue could have survived if you know she hadn't par- partnered up with me and like she basically saved our my life and Peta's life and Thresh saved my life. Like she starts off with this really passionate speech that ends with um the the old man getting shot in front of her, uh and is like effectively intimidated into not doing the things that Snow doesn't want her doing. Like she. She's like, okay, fine, I'll go with it. Like, I don't want anyone else to get hurt. I totally, like, I didn't mean that at all. Oh, God, please help me to, like, just restrain myself. Like, clearly, like, she believes that was the wrong thing to do at first. And then they continue to make her angry throughout the movie. And she continues to respond by being like, all right, I'm going to be defiant. I'm going to push back against this. And so, like, she runs into more and more injustices from the capital government to ultimately become someone who is very much against them. And it is like, you know what? screw it i am basically with this rebellion like yeah. i i want to to fight um which we don't i guess we don't quite get there in this movie but like she just keeps going through this thing of seeing more and more stuff happen like Cinna getting yeah dragged away and um the seeing the the rue painting on the ground um oh, when God. she goes to try out in front of oh the, awful, yeah. in front of plutarch and everyone like and, and her being like like the reaction she has to that is to do the Seneca uh, dummy hanging from the ceiling. Um, and yeah, it, it's real good. I think it's a real good organic development of the character from someone um, who, who is just kind of trying to look out for herself and the people she cares about and expanding that into basically the people she cares about start to become literally everybody else yeah. who is not part of uh, the oppressors. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, I really liked, go back to what y'all were saying about the first half of the movie is so much a response to the first one. I love that this story doesn't forget about Rue or Thresh. And that speech, the, the speeches that both her and Peter give are so good. <laughs> They're both like, we are fully aware that we are alive because of them. They did nothing but help us. So we're going to donate our winnings to their families as some kind of something. And then for her to just be straight up like, they're heroes and we're not like, I just found that whole, that is exactly the kind of thing that, that works on me. Um, I just thought that was really well done. And, and it's so awful that they're going on this tour and they're having to look at the families of the people that died and their face, the people's faces are behind there. It's terrible that the families are having to stand up there in front of their loved ones. It's terrible that the PETA and Katniss are having to look at them. Like all of it is just awful. Uh, but it's very effective in in filmmaking. It's, mm-hmm. it's just it's just gutting. I will say you you mentioned realizing now the the Rue and Thresh and Cinna thing. It is a lot of people of color dying for a yep. white person, and I, I'm given to understand that the books have a lot more sort of multiracial qualities. That the, it's so far in the future, a lot of the characters are supposed to be multiracial. I don't know the details of this. I haven't read the books, and. It's one of those things that watching the movie, I'm not thinking about it as much because it just, the characters are so built into, I understand why that happens to Senna, but it's just kind of a, it's just, I don't think there's something Suzanne Collins wrote. I'm not necessarily Mm. laying this blame on anybody, but it's something I'm realizing now. Um, 
and is even more reason for Jeffrey Wright to be the hero of the whole story. <laughs> that at the Does end, he, BD goes, no, I forgot to tell you, I'm a Super Saiyan. <laughs> and then he just spirit bombs the Capitol. Tyler, I could be wrong, and, you know, correct me. It, doesn't Katniss have a Native American background in the books? That rings a bell. I think I remember one. actually at the time, because I think at the t- when the first movie came out, there were a lot of complaints that Rue wasn't white, because I guess Rue's not described as being black in the books. Oh, I, d- I honestly don't remember. I-, I could so be remembering this wrong. Or maybe she's not described as being any particular ethnicity, and so... People just n- assume she was. But anyway, I think I remember reading in defense of that, that maybe yeah, that Katniss herself wasn't explicitly a Caucasian character. Look, I think we should just be happy that they didn't whip out a two bears narration throughout the film, okay? <laughs> yeah, that Katniss doesn't like touch a pendant and commune with her ancestors. <laughs> Not that that's lame when it's done in an own voice narrative, but for a, a, a white studio to do that. Um, I don't. Looking it up, I don't see anything that is specifically uh, um, specifically saying that she had a Native American background. It seems like some of the the like descriptions point to her maybe being Caucasian, but maybe not. Like, yeah, they. I mean, basically that is, she's not explicitly explicitly said to be white. Sure. Is, is what and and again, I I could be reading into this. I could be you know. I, I do not lay at this movie's feet the the fault that many other movies and how they handle uh, people of color. It was something that yeah. really once you mentioned that, I went, oh, I, oh, okay, yeah, that's something I'm. Yeah, I, I want and, to note it, even if not as a criticism. And that that thought crossed my mind. Um, I do think the movie is is has a pretty diverse cast yes. overall. Um, and I think especially when you think about like. YA sure. and kind of the background that a lot of YA comes from and stuff like that. Like, I think, I think it does pretty well. I mean, obviously there, there's always room for improvement, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but overall, I mean, I, I, I don't remember where Jeffrey Wright's character goes. So maybe, maybe we'll revisit this conversation. Sure. <laughs> well, and, and the, the, it is clearly a white regime that is, sure. that is the bad guys. Um, and Italian. And Italian. Yes. Uh, I, uh, although, hey, Kingsley Shacklebolt became the Minister of Magic. So clearly his character was well utilized and fleshed out throughout all those books and <laughs> movies. And he to- and his he's just such a wonderfully designed and built character with lots of th- things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, very nuanced. Very nuanced. It was like a, I don't know, a playwright wrote him. That's a good playwright. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I can totally think of this. I I I looked up the name Plutarch because I was like, that's like a that's like a mm-hmm. thing. And he was a philosopher. And I was right. like, oh, I'm gonna let me read a little bit about him and to see I wonder how that kind of relates to his character. I am here to testify before you all. I did not understand it and I did not read very far. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> early on I went, I don't I'm not absorbing this. And so I put my phone down. <laughs> Um, I, Britain, I imagine it is intentional. I imagine there is a reason for it, that's if his name was like Aristotle or something, you'd be like, oh, look at that. Yeah. But for, Britain, for you know, there's a reason, I, I'm sure. I don't know if I want to spoil it for you, but there's an actor that you should be very excited about. Who is it? I think in both. Does movies. his name start with Mahersh and end with Allah? No, his name is Blade. Oh. <gasps> 
<laughs> no, is, is it Mahershala? Wesley Snipes. Yes, it's Mahershala. Because I, I did, after I finished this movie, I went ahead and looked at the cast list for the third one. And I was like, oh, I just, I wonder who's coming up. And I saw Mahershala and I do think I gasped when I saw it. I'm so excited to see him. Yeah. Him, I completely Natalie forgot. Dormer, I, one of the Bash brothers yeah. from Mighty Ducks oh, who Natalie also Dormer plays Foggy on the Daredevil Netflix show. We've got all the big right. players. I didn't know Foggy was in uh, Mighty Ducks. Yes. Yeah, I saw that Foggy was in. I I already knew about Dormer because I remember the, I remember the hairstyle. Um, so oh yeah, that's exciting. I, I don't remember Mahershala's role, and I'm excited because I completely like when I watched these, I would not have had like much of a sure like point of reference for most of these actors. Yeah. Oh, and his um, his career hadn't really taken off. I mean, he he's been a working actor for a long time, but like it was really with Moonlight, I think that he became. I guess kind of House of Cards. But Moonlight was where he like really came to the yeah. forefront, and a lot of people, start, including myself, picked up on how great he is. Oh, yeah, I was bad. saying that all the way back in 2010 when I saw Predators. <laughs> <laughs> the way he was beating up on Walton Goggins, I said they're both going places. I love Walton Goggins. Um, Predators has no right to be as bland a movie as it is. <laughs> I mean, with those two actors alone, no, it does not. <laughs> Look, I mean, the batting average is better than half the movies in that franchise. I call it a winner. That's true. Relatively speaking, it's a winner. <laughs> um, Don't know if I agree. Continue, Brent. <laughs> speaking of winners, this movie did something cool where we see this this little hovercraft come down and scoop up the bodies of people after they've died. Mm -hmm. And... I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, now that was like a little piece of world building we didn't see from the first movie. That's the, this is how they dispose of the bodies and get them back to their families. Okay, cool. But then I realized, oh, that's also how they're going to get the the people. Because they weren't all, excuse me, they were actually picking up people who had died. But then they also, that's how they got Katniss and Beatty out of it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, right. oh, that was also a thing from Plutarch is like, and here's how we get you out. Yep. Just very, very good. Um, I'm also going to assume that Effie has some kind of not my daughter, you witch moment. And she maybe gets like a <laughs> machine gun. <laughs> and just it's starts. actually the exact power loader from the end of Aliens. Whoa. <laughs> the whole or, thing. Okay. Elizabeth or she, or she like reaches in a power loader. That does sound pretty cool. Or she like reaches into her hair and pulls out a pin and like throws it right into somebody's like sit like optic nerve or something. <laughs> she like sprays I, perfume in, in like President Snow's eyes or something. She comes out with a quarter staff and they're like, Whoa, Effie, that's so great. She goes, Thanks. Tight zoom in. It's mahogany. <laughs> do it, do it. And then just start like Donatelloing everybody. I do feel like the future aesthetic of Alien or of the Hunger Games uh, matches up with the Alien franchise fairly well. I have to say, like just the just the general like vibe, sure, the, sure, sure. the tone, I guess, the feeling. Well, we've defeated Captain Snow. What next? To the stars. <laughs> I mean, if you told me that this horrible apocalyptic nightmare led to Prometheus and Alien Covenant, then yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> good I could see Guy movie. Pierce being like the grandson of, of President Snow or whatever it's fine yeah you know changed his name to Wayland hey fine 
<laughs> there's a scene where <laughs> President Snow's like getting he sees he's getting the 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 will reading for his father and, and the lady's like, you should use her full name. I like that name. Waylon <laughs> Snow. <laughs> U.S.O.B. <laughs> no. Snow Wayland. <laughs> we oh, have fun geez. here. We have um, fun here. Anyways, <laughs> do, do you guys... Does Ray... I have that meme. I don't remember what Ray actually says anymore. <laughs> Ray Everdeen. Does she say Ray Skywalker? She does say Ray yes. Skywalker. For some reason, I just I just got very confused as to whether she actually says Ray Palpatine, which yeah. I think, for me at least, says a lot about how I feel about that movie. Yeah. Um, oh no, she says Ray Skywalker to really drive home that that movie is desperate to be thought of in the same regard as the the previous sure. film. Sure. I, I like to imagine Tyler that you're you're constantly like just having like this mental battle in your head of like what is that last movie called? It's the rise of. Rise of the Guardians? Like what? What is this movie? <laughs> My name's Ray. Ray Claus. <laughs> Ray North. Um, I, I will say I, I the I, I the only thing I've really had difficulty accepting in these movies is how silly some of the names are. And I get it. It's the far flung future. Nomenclature flew out the window. And I and I ultimately accept it because I buy all the other stuff. But like Beatty and Blue Plutarch Heavensby and Gale, like, <laughs> come on! I it was pointed out. I don't. I'm. I don't know if this was intentional or not. That Finnick is supposed to be like a very adept water, it's like swimmer and aquatic fighter, mm-hmm. and his name is Finn Ick. Yeah, because Finn like a fish and Ick like when you see a fish. Um. <laughs> so was he trying to give an Aquaman like audition with this movie or what? <laughs> I, I mean, there are definitely similarities I, one thing i thought was was a nice bit of clemency from the movie is that I, well I, f- I felt two ways about it so is it annie is the other woman from his district mm-hmm. is him mags and annie yes um that and annie does come back if i remember correctly oh cool okay because i, I like the idea that there is someone who is so they say she went mad but you know she's so traumatized from what happened that she's she, her, her brain is is, is broken and Mags, of course, uh, uh, goes in her her stead. And on the one hand, I wanted to get more of that character because that's an interesting idea. But I'm also like, I'm glad that we don't run the risk of like a cringy, potentially offensive, like crazy character. Because like, Wyrus is kind of kooky, but you can almost drum that up to like, ah, she's kooky. Like, that's her thing is she and BD are kind of weirdos. Um, But to have someone who is like, quote unquote, gone crazy as a result of this trauma that could be offensive. Not that I assume the movie would do it offensively, but I was like, maybe it's, maybe it's okay. <laughs> maybe right. we, do, we now don't run that risk. Now that makes sense. But I, but yeah, if she I comes back, I'm... that's really interesting because I would like to see that character. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting how each movie um, kind of is willing to kind of reflect back on on the criticisms or whatever of the, of the previous films and kind of to it feels like they're constantly improving things even with the last two um just in small little areas in terms of like flushing more things out um and of course a lot of that has to do with the books but i feel like even even the, the screenplays what they choose to focus on um i think for the most part they give stuff time to breathe as they go which is nice 
So if you don't, if you're watching one movie and you're like, eh, I wish I had more of that, you'll probably get more of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, Sounds no, good. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, this franchise is really sneaking up on me. I don't know what I, I'm going to the first one. I was like, I remember liking it. Who knows? But I like, I liked this movie a lot. I liked the previous movie a lot. Um, not, not to shift. I mean, unless y'all have anything to else to say, I guess we can start shifting into letter grades. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this one uh, another flat A. I just don't, it just, it worked for me, you know? Um, I, I, whatever, whatever the first one had that this one doesn't have, this one does, this one has other things. This one is, is focusing on other elements and other qualities. So I'm, I I think that works. But yeah, this, this franchise is sneaking up on me so far, guys. I'm, I'm excited to watch the next two. Being such a fan of how Gary Ross did the first movie. I was a little nervous when Frankie Law was coming to town, but, (laughs) but, uh, he, he did a nice job with this one. So I'm. I don't know. I'm. I. I may end up. And I was never like a Hunger Games like detractor. I just didn't really know about it. So I, I may end up a, a bona fide, bona fide fan after all this is done. We will see. I think the real question will be: Is it the best young adult uh, movie, young young adult adaptation movie franchise? Because the answer is yes. Um, so far, I would say yes. <laughs> I am gonna stick with my grade for the first one a minus um it's pretty solid just kind of gets hurt a little bit by where it is in the story and the fact that i know that there's a lot more developments to go um so yeah um i'm going to give it an a um yeah i think like i said the first one b plus so this one like i also said is a huge step for me above the first one. I reflecting back on it. And of course we need to rewatch the last two, but I do think this is probably my favorite. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this has all the best elements that I really like and gravitate to in the series. Um, And aside from maybe if we had a couple more scenes kind of fleshing out Gale and, and PETA, maybe a bit more, I think, this might be a plus territory for me. I really, really liked it. Well, there you have it. I'd be very curious how all of us react to the next two. Cause I remember yeah. watching the next two in theaters and thinking that they were very, very good, but yeah. well, the interesting thing for me is I, I, I only saw the first one in the theater. Hmm. Um, and I think the second one I watched as like a video rental, like when I was on vacation one time or something like that. So it's just kind of like, oh, I guess I'll watch the next one. Oh, hey, this is really good. And then I forgot about it. And then Tyler, <laughs> when you when you and I were in college, they had like a free screening um, at the the college uh, theater for uh, uh, the first um, Mockingjay. And we watched that. And I was like, wow, that's this is like. No, this is, this is pretty compelling. I'm not I'm not quite <laughs> sure why it got, you know, some of some of the negative reviews that it got. And then I think eventually I watched the the last one just kind of like flipping through channels and uh it came on I was like, "Yep, still pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it was one of those things that just it as well as sparking a revolution, it sparked a bunch of imitators and so people started getting tired of yeah. 
the dystopia YA genre. And then, but this movie was still chugging along. And so this franchise was still chugging along. So people were like, we're, we're, we're taking out our frustrations at other movies on this one. Cause it's the progenitor in a lot of ways, yeah. but we're, also, but really like, it's not, it's not doing it. it it's kind of like your, your shows on like TBS or TNT or something to get to run for as long as they need to run. And they never really slump because they're never, they never get too big, yeah. but they also have a sustained fan base. So they're like, yeah, good job. <laughs> we're just still going psych over here. Yeah. I also wonder how much of it is Twilight was just ending when this started mm. as a movie series. And then when it was announced that they were splitting up the last one into two, they kind of unfairly treated them just because, oh, hey, they're doing the Harry Potter thing just like Twilight did. And it didn't work for Twilight. It barely worked for Harry Potter. Um, didn't Tom work for say. us, Tyler. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wonder how much of that just kind of it gave people the wrong impression going into it. Sure. Uh, that would definitely make sense. Uh, well, that's a good segue into um, my recommendation this week, because I definitely had a different impression of the movie that I'm going to recommend before I watched it. Uh, on a lark the other night, I decided to watch The Personal History of David Copperfield. Huh. Uh, this is a movie from last year by Armando Iannucci, uh, directed by him, co-written by him and Simon Blackwell. Armando Iannucci, um, I really knew him from... His previous movies, uh, In the Loop and The Death of Stalin, both of which I really, really like. And he created and was the showrunner for, of Veep for several seasons. And all of those are very funny, very sharp, cynical uh, satires of things. They're, they're very funny and very silly, but they're, they're, they're you know, a little, they're darker and they're, they're not like chipper, upbeat things. Um, and so I assumed that was what this was going to be. Uh, and it was not. This is, an, of course, an adaptation of the Charles Dickens book, David Copperfield, which I have not read. And the movie is so, it's really funny. It's really fun. And it's so bright. It's so brightly colored. And it's just this, this gleaming sunshine and these great costumes and great production design. And it was interesting. It took a little of adjusting to a gentler Iannucci and a, a softer side of him and a more a, a more sentimental and sweet side than I'm used to seeing from his work. That uh, but work, which I thought worked really really well. The cast is totally stacked. It stars the wonderful and ever lovable Dev Patel. Uh, you've also got Ben Wishaw, Gwendolyn Christie, Peter Capaldi, Benedict Wong, and Tilda Swinton, who is so funny in it. And my favorite performance in the movie, Hugh Laurie, who I am no stranger to seeing Hugh Laurie be great in things, but like he's really wonderful in this. It's he's very funny and very sweet and lovable. Um, there are probably other famous actors that I'm forgetting who are also in it, and I'm just not. There are just so many of them. Uh, the op the the beginning of the movie, first I don't know thirty or so minutes of it, maybe maybe a little, maybe less than that, maybe twenty. I was like, this is good, but I'm not as compelled. And I actually took a break and went did something else. And then I was like, eh, I'll pick it up and see how I feel. But once like Dev Patel really takes over as, as Dave Copperfield, I think the movie, and once you get Tilda Swinton and Hugh Laurie in there, the movie just takes off like a shot. There are a bunch of actors who I did not recognize, but I now want to see in other things because they were really fun. It also has a very like 
Hamilton slash Bridgerton approach where it's a very, it's a multiracial cast. And I think Bridgerton kind of has an in-world explanation for that. But here it's straight up like Benedict Wong's daughter is a black woman. Like Dev Patel's aunt is Tilda Swinton. And there's like, it doesn't matter. That's like not the point. This is such a, an old story. It's been adapted in so many ways. You could tell Iannucci was like, let's just get the right actors for it. Throw in a bunch of really good jokes and just have fun. Um, it's Dickens and literature of that era, I think, has this stigma of being very tweedy and uh, stodgy and overly scholarly. Um, and this movie just does away with all of that and says, what's the story? Let's have fun. It's really exuberant. It's really lovely. And uh, it does a great job of sort of modernizing it without directly setting it in modern times or throwing in like weird anachronistic slang or whatever. Um, anyway, I've, I've, I've belabored the point enough. I watched it on HBO Max. It might be other places too. But I had a great time. The Personal History of David Copperfield. Tyler, you alluded previously to what you might say for your recommendation. Oh, uh, Is it the new yeah, movie? I did not have a recommendation to bring, but I will say that I I did uh, a while back read. Uh, I've been I've actually been reading through. I think I mentioned that I was reading through the original Chris Claremont X Men run. Um, he also wrote a a big chunk of the New Mutants, like fifty issues of the New Mutants, and I've been reading those alongside it. Um, we had discussed uh, the demon, the original Demon Bear saga, um, <laughs> when we talked about the New Mutants film because that is very loosely adapted from that it's it's just there's a there's a creepy demon bear it's following uh danielle moonstar around and uh they defeat it by jumping around into crazy psychic world um and and going into like the nightmare nightmare realm of the demon bear uh it's it's pretty crazy and fun um and does not really (laughs) share a whole lot of uh, similarity with the the new mutants film i will say i'm still i mentioned on that podcast that i was surprised by how close the characters were in general i think if i watch it again i'd be a little there'd be things i'd be more mad about um but i still am impressed that it was like the appearances at least of the characters the the powers the overall kind of uh dynamic uh I, w- I i am still surprised they hewed that close to it and it might just be because they didn't know what else to do so they were just like well we're just gonna kind of uh roll off of this uh and you know basically just wander around until we find a movie and that is long enough to put into a theater and then not put it into a theater <laughs> um but yeah uh it was neat that particular storyline uh, there's like little seedings of it but i think the main chunk is like issues 18 through 20 of the original new mutants run. Um, I would say from there until like, I I can't remember exactly. There's a, a storyline about Legion not long after that. That is the storyline that introduces Legion. That is crazy and weird and fun. And if, if I was really recommending something, I would say that it's, I think it's like issues 23 through 26, somewhere in there. Go look it up. It's, it's, it's in that range. (laughs) Um, it's got this crazy art by Bill, Sinkovich, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, who does all this? I, I this was back in like the early '80s, I want to say. Um, and I think I feel like he was one of the first to start doing kind of the more crazy avant-garde, um, surrealist type of art in comics. Um, kind of predating things like uh, Arkham Asylum 
the serious house on serious serious earth uh so yeah that, that that's a neat thing if you want to go find it i think that run is really cool and, and the, it basically the entire thing or the entire set of issues takes place inside of like legion's brain uh, as they're like interacting with his various personalities that's, that's pretty cool. crazy cool nice that, i gotta watch that show too that legion show I, her, I really her I'm season really is absolutely wonderful have not watched the rest of it i was gonna say i haven't watched season two either and i'm really curious how that is um i wrapped up a couple of shows that i continued to mention on the podcast um mayor of east town finished up and it is it sticks the landing i i feel um uh, I think I'd mentioned this before we started recording. It's got one too many twists, I feel. Like, the last couple episodes just like, twist, 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 twist. And it's not the final twist that I found a little, a bit much. It was kind of, it happens earlier in the episode. Um, but it, the the final kind of twist and, and kind of where all the characters are left, I found kind of very, very powerful. Um, it's a very, it's a very... It bounces between pessimism and optimism so well for me. Um, I, I, I don't know if you if you like that kind of uh, crime show um, that's kind of basically just built around just really good actors doing their thing. Uh, definitely, definitely give that a watch. That, and it's only like does, seven episodes, eight episodes, something oh, like that. Nice. Yeah, that does sound a lot like uh, the first season of True Detective. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's probably up my alley, and maybe at some point I will watch it. Ditto. Um, the other thing, because if you want something a little more cheerful, um, I finished up Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and it was delightful. Yay. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm glad you like that. Yeah, and and not just because, oh, hey, I have nostalgia for Mighty Ducks. I I, I do genuinely think it's a, it's a pretty cute family show, and yeah. and all the kid actors are actually, they're, they're not bad. Uh Emilio Estevez and Lauren Graham are really, really good in it. Uh, it's got, it, it does a nice job of giving you enough exposition about what happened in the previous movies. So you can kind of catch up and follow along if you haven't seen them. But then also if you are a diehard fan, like I kind of am, I'm a diehard fan of you, D2, the Mighty you, Ducks. You are <laughs> as diehard as I think anybody is about the Mighty Ducks. Sure. I would say that you are this podcast's resident quackpot. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's got plenty of references for for you know people who really like the old the old movies. Um, they bring back the Mighty Duck score, which I have rented and raved about many times, and I was happy to hear that again. Um, it, it's just nice when when things respect the continuity and they they utilize the tools at their disposal instead of just going, "Now nah, we're doing a new thing." Well, they bring in the oxygen destroyer, right? Yeah, exactly. Nice. H- how else are they going to win the big game? Thank you. <laughs> how else are they going to beat beat the Russians or whatever? They got to <laughs> kill those kids. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, it's it's a cute it's a cute show, and definitely if you, if you're just looking like you know for for just a really you know fun kind of quick thing to knock out because each episode's like twenty five minutes something like that, so it's like it's a breeze. Nice to get through yeah um awesome yeah it's a good bit of fun cool big fan of when uh ken watanabe has to go underneath the ice with the nuclear sub (laughs) uh so he can resurrect goalie zilla uh and all the soldiers are having to to protect 
They're having to hold Emilio Estevez back. He's like, no, don't let him do it. <laughs> also, Kyle Chandler's there. <laughs> he's he's a he's a consulting coach from uh, from a uh, high school football team <laughs> from, from from East Dillon. There's a, there's that great aerial shot of all the, the, uh, not, not the, the tip off, you know, but where they're all like square at the beginning of the match. And then there's a great aerial shot and under the ice, you just see the the shadow of a nuclear sub (laughs) floating by. And and there's all these shots of Kim Watanabe looking up and like, like with his finger in front of his mouth, like, shh, constantly taking his goalie mask on and off. (laughs) Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. The rock's swimming right behind him. He's like, I'll deflect the missile. It'll be fine. <laughs> and also Ronald Reagan is there. <laughs> I, know, I thought it was like a Space Jam thing where everybody shows up. <laughs> also like the, uh, I don't even remember what, what the, the people who show up in that movie that shouldn't be in that movie. Uh, the Clockwork Orange guys. Clockwork Orange. There we go. I had Orange and Clock, and I, maybe even Work yeah. floating around somewhere. What there. are I they could not called? Put together. What are the, the whole weird... time I was like, wait, Tyler, how do you know that Bill Murray shows up in the original <laughs> Space Jam? <laughs> who are Alex? Who are those yeah. goofy guys in the Clockwork Orange? What are they called? I don't know. Splatterpunks. I, those, like, goofy <laughs> I, boys I think it's who... uh, the Monstars, right? <laughs> <laughs> Team Rocket. Clock. Work orange. They have a name. You know the sad part is Droogs. Droogs. I I just remembered <laughs> that the motorcycle like race sequence in Batman and Robin. I think there's a gang there that is dressed up like the Clockwork Orange guys. We just found out they were Droogs, Alex. If you use the correct terminology, <laughs> no, put some respect on their name. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I'll never watch that movie. Hey, Tyler, where can they find us? You can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify, SoundCloud. For some reason, every time I say that list, I want to finish it by saying Bandcamp. We don't have a Bandcamp, but maybe <laughs> my subconscious is telling me to put us on Bandcamp. I don't even know if you put podcast on Bandcamp. So, I don't know. Once we do that Justice League 2017 commentary track, hey, you know where it'll, where it'll be. There we go. I also there's also a great scene where uh, in the Mighty Ducks show where they're like Emilio Estevez is like you underdog kid, you're gonna it's time to shine. You're the goalie, and then uh, it cuts over to Tom Hardy going, "I thought I was going to be the goalie. That's why I have the mask, Batman." Oh, I'm going to blow up <laughs> the hockey rink. <laughs> Harley Quinn's a good TV show. Um, I'm very excited to talk about Mockingjay next week, and I'm excited to watch it. I think it'll be a, a neat time. Uh, uh, but until that fateful day, I've been Britain. I've, I've been, been Alex. Whoa! Jinx. We jinxed it's it. A, it's All right, P- that's the last means... episode. We're not watching Mockingjay. I... Bye! <laughs> you guys just PETA means... and Katniss this whole thing. I think that means Britain has to sign us off. And now President (laughs) Snowsuff is not going to like this. (laughs) Um, Snoke with a W. You are having a great night.